2: Season two is in the books and it is time to talk about a new Tough as Nails champion here today on our Tough as Nails recap podcast. I'm at the finale of season two and we are back one more time with our Savage crew. Of course, let's welcome in a woman who I'm sure could operate Jackhammer, could uh, take out the wire cutters. Here is uh, Jessica Lee. Jess, how are you?
1: great, Rob. I'm ready to climb up to the top of this podcast, plant my tree, plant my flag, and top it out.
2: Yes. Uh, Okay. Well, that is what we will do. Uh, I did not know that about the Christmas tree.
1: I've never heard that either.
2: Yeah. Okay. Uh, Of course, here with us to talk about it all, give it up for Mike Bloom.
3: As a Jew, I take a little offense to the whole Christmas tree thing. Yeah. Should
2: they put a menorah up there also?
3: Can we represent all sects here at the top of the beams, people? Okay, Mm -hmm. listen, workers of so many different religions exist out there. Uh, I know that the Christmas tree sort of has has gone more cultural than religious as of late, but I don't know if we need to necessarily only put the Christmas tree up there.
1: Mm -hmm. Could we call it like a non-sectarian evergreen shrubbery? Does that solve the problem, or is it still—are we still— paying tribute to the dominant paradigm
3: yeah i mean i guess the other section as well of that is the american flag uh you know is Mm. it now a custom that if you're not in america do you use that country's flag?
2: well let's have any of our uh canadian tough as nails uh listeners who uh work in the construction trade so do you put a, a canadian flag up on top of the
3: building this like this, this sounds like an amazing race challenge. I'm like, all right, you must put the Christmas tree and the correct flag at the top of the beam.
1: Well, I mean, it already did seem like an amazing race challenge because I'm sure there have been amazing race challenges that involve, like, someone is actually doing the work, but you're giving them hand signals to do the work. I feel like we've seen that several times.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to talk about one final elimination challenge, our overtime and our final three challenge as Scott was crowned the winner of Tough as Nails Season 2, uh, job well done by Scott, who was able to uh, beat out Zeus and Sarah to become uh, the second Tough as Nails uh, champion. It would have been great in another world to have had Murph there to, uh, you know, hand off the, the title to Scott.
3: <laughs> should he have been in the truck at the top of the storage container?
2: Hey, uh, you Scott, have to
1: carjack Murph.
2: <laughs> just want to congratulate you on your win. It was a really job well done.
3: It is interesting because uh, I I do feel like our two winners so far have some stuff in common, right? Like they are both in their 40s, which I find really fun that I think Mm -hmm. if you look at the other big, the big three in CBS, I don't think you can necessarily point to many people over 40 who are winning those as of late. But also in sort of oppositional perspectives, you have Murph, who, to your impression, Rob, was a bit more soft-spoken, and Scott, who he himself admits is is a bit more like energetic and I, I think a more present persona, and so it is fun to watch. I think that the, the yeah. economy of those personalities are our two winners, here. and
2: both have a fear of heights. Uh, and Scott was able to find his inner Murph. Uh, now he finds his inner Murph once again.
3: Could that is that the thing now? Mm-hmm. Do you when you go to tough as nails, should you inorganically give yourself a fear of heights, knowing that that actually might give you the edge to win, or
2: organically?
1: Or what if this is one of those things like, you know, how we say when a survivor player returns for their next season, they play like the winner of the previous season. So is this one of those things you have to think about. What did the previous winner have to overcome and find something that you also have to overcome that's adjacent to that?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that that uh, is, is definitely going to help you uh, or at least help them uh, tell the story of the show. I think that I, li- I like that. Uh, and Mike, stop me if I'm wrong here. Both winners from Toughest Nails are both from Savage Crew. Am I? Am I right? I'm
3: checking the fact books. That is correct. Both winners are yes. Yeah, so the Savage Crew. I mean, this was a banner season for Savage Crew, right? They were looking to make good on the franchise. An they embarrassing
2: won. season for Dirty Hands. Come on, it was, let's be... Yeah, it, it was a tough season. Dirty for Hands, dirty hands. Uh, no no team win, no, no Dirty Hands has ever won the Tough as Nails individual title. Come on, Dirty Hands.
1: Is it cursed? Yeah, well, <laughs> in all two seasons, this is clearly... I think you have to have three to be a New York Times trend piece, mm-hmm. so... Mm. We will luckily yeah. have this opportunity and because we got renewed for two more seasons. Yes, Whee!
2: will Dirty Hands ever win the toughest nails individual title? That will be the story going into season three and four. And we're teasing, not not embarrassing. Uh, no, that uh, no. Uh, just uh, you know a little uh, gentle jab of uh, Dirty Hands. That I think yep. that one day we will see a Dirty Hands uh, member win toughest nails. Yeah,
1: yep, They I, won't I, bear this stain for the rest of their life. Mm-hmm.
2: They'll co- it does, like, cover it, it up with some gray, uh, nail gray paint.
3: I don't know. I'm very particular about where that paint goes, <laughs> though. Uh, I mean, it, it does leave an interesting story, though, going into next season. Because now it was sort of well, dirty hands. I uh, was able to squeak out the team victory in season one. Season two, I wouldn't say they got things served to them because it, it ended up coming down to a tiebreaker. But it was not necessarily the strongest finish. For them and now season three now it's dirty hands that's looking for redemption so that's what you want i guess if you're continuing these team names right you want like healthy back and forth rather than just like the bad news bears versus the new york yankees every season
1: Mm-hmm. yeah the harlem globetrotters versus the washington generals yes that's an amazing race storyline yeah
3: spinning, i mean spinning those beams on their fingers while uh yep. that whistle
1: song plays i mean dirty hands does wear green mm-hmm okay
3: Yeah, Scott, congratulations. Uh, I feel like when we look back at Scott's run overall in the season, incredibly dominant. Uh, I mean, especially comparing him to Murph, Murph had a real couple moments where he like really slipped up, right? Like he, for all the great stuff that he brought in the very final challenge, Murph was slipping up near the end. He went into overtime. He, you know, like barely made it out of that forklift challenge. So he was sort of limping going into the final. Scott, Never, I don't think Scott ever ever finished out of like the top two in nearly any yeah. individual challenge. There any really was like nothing he could. steps
2: that he had, uh, they were all like in the team portion of the game. I don't think that he was even close to the bottom in any of the individual uh, contests. Uh, I mean, is the same true for uh, Zeus and for Sarah? Where uh, were either of them either uh, in an overtime any at any point?
3: Zeus was at the in the very last one, which we can certainly talk about. Uh, that sure,
2: twice. sure. Again, so again, before yeah. this episode, yeah,
3: but yeah. But Sarah, uh, Sarah was sort of in that position, right, where she was sort of just like coasting for a little while i think she almost went into the bottom two in the fruit picking challenge but then other than that she just went like win 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 with the individual challenges
2: mm-hmm. yeah i mean just sarah really uh came on strong at the end of uh tough as nails and really i, I thought like uh carried herself very well even into the, the final competition i talked about last season about how um I just thought that the fi- the final challenge last season was like so impossible for even like Murph was like uh like it, it was like uh, a miracle that he was able to get through the the challenge. but I felt like that uh did not seem like that uh Sarah was like at a disadvantage uh in the final challenge because of like just how much like sheer power it took to get through the final challenge.
1: I mean, no, it is better than last season, but I think there's still a long way to go. It still feels very much like you aren't testing toughness so much as you are testing brute strength. Mm-hmm. And they're not really the same thing. I saw the nods to, like, there's a little bit of problem solving there. You have to you have to go across a balance beam, which I was like, now this is starting to look a little survivory. I don't know how I feel about mm-hmm. that. Like, I think Phil was definitely getting his challenge description pattern. It was very Probstian. Mm-hmm. I think there's still a long way to go. I do think it was better though.
2: Yeah, I would like to see maybe some sort of like a, a mental task uh, incorporated <clears> into the <laughs> final challenge as opposed to it just being like uh, you know, break down the wall like, uh, you know, there was a little bit of problem solving with like using the, the sledgehammer, but uh, then, you know, cutting the cutting the fence, you know, carrying the, the traps, uh, untying the rope, like it was a lot of like just like uh, be being physical uh with that final challenge
1: what about what about this what if we have something in the middle of it where you have to take a thing apart and like do the alternator thing like take a car apart pull the alternator out and then put the alternator in a different car
4: hmm
3: oh, that's interesting yeah. we have plenty of room uh to do so i mean i do think to your point jess it should be something like put something together yeah
4: or mm-hmm. take something
3: apart, like even if it's if you need to do the multi-stage thing, you could be like, "Well, put together this thing to get you to the next thing." It even could be like, I don't want to invoke the survivor example, but like what they do with the uh, the puzzle ladder rungs, right? Of like, mm-hmm. "Oh, figure out which rung matches which, and then you'll be able to climb to the top." Uh, it did seem like I think to to your point, Jess, that I'm glad we got more tool tasks, for lack of a better term, that it was less like, "Hey, smash through this thing, break through this thing." But I think it should be noted that the final task was essentially Scott winning it at the jackhammer which I think does require a lot of upper body strength. Mm-hmm. And then once he was through, it really was no looking back.
2: See, I thought that uh, Scott really won the final challenge more on like that he was able to just cut the fe- through the fence no problem. I thought that that seemed like the place where he picked because I thought that while he got through the-, the jackhammer first, it also seemed like that he was able to like he did not struggle with like getting his um, tool out with uh, mm-hmm. like, uh, like digging through it where it seemed like that uh, Zeus and Sarah really struggled with like trying to pry the uh, bolt cutter out of the cement.
1: I mean, that maybe that's the maybe that's what they're trying to do with the puzzle solving element of it. Like, mm-hmm. maybe there is a technique to that. We did hear some talk about: do you start at the corners or do you start in the middle? And maybe knowing knowing how to strategically get the cement off of it, maybe that is what they're trying to give us as far as cerebral mental toughness, but. It didn't really translate. It did look like basically strong man with jackhammer
3: Mm
2: -hmm.
1: gets jackhammer through the cement faster. Yeah,
3: I am intrigued. So did they put three sets of bolt cutters in cement and then just waited for the block to dry? I don't think I've ever heard of, okay, jackhammer this piece of concrete to get bolt cutters out of it.
2: I don't think that um, it was like cement all the way through. I I feel like that maybe like the bolt cutters were like in like a pile of dirt and then they did like cement over the dirt because I feel mm. like that if the thing was in like a solid block of cement, <laughs> I'm not sure how, how you could like dig it out once you like broke the top of the cement.
3: Yeah, that's a good point. That's my but, guess. Uh, well, I think because, yeah, I think we did see some sort of like dirt-like substance when Sarah and Zeus were sort of digging yeah. through everything. Either right,
2: like dirt and- or sand and then maybe they covered it with like uh, basically like um, a layer of cement and then uh, you had to jackhammer yeah, so it's like through a, that.
3: Yeah, so it was like a cement Ferrero Rocher, right? <laughs> there was like something on the inside there what? and the cement layer.
2: Yeah. And <laughs> get <laughs> the wire cutter treat inside. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, it's more like a Kinder Egg than a Ferrero Rocher.
2: Yeah, interesting. Uh, yeah, Which uh, confection is more like this uh, bolt cutter <laughs> covered in cement, hard outer shell? Uh, I want to go back to the start of the episode because I feel like that there was one big uh, strategic decision that really sort of cast the die on the whole episode, which was Sarah had the advantage of that. She came in first place last time. She got to pick her partner, uh, which ultimately hmm. would help her with being able to uh do that task but she also this was a li- i mean akin to i don't mean to always bring this back to survivor uh but in some ways it's sort of like uh you know who do you want to bring with you to the final 3 and then uh you know who are you, who do you feel like that you uh, want to send into the the, the fire making challenge uh yeah. but there was also still like you have to win this uh task sarah chose scott um jess uh, any thoughts on that decision For for sarah
1: well first of all rob i think you'd be an idiot not to notice that this is similar to the final four fire making thing so i think it's totally valid to bring it up here but i and i thought this is a really elegant strategic thing they've inserted here because you have to think about well who do i want to go up against but if i don't pick the right person to go up against you know who could i knock out here and if I, if I don't pair with that person, there's a greater likelihood that if I win, they get knocked out. But I have to pick somebody with me that will help me win. And it's really, it's almost like a prisoner's dilemma thing. And I thought mm-hmm. there's two ways you could go there. I think everyone has to be seeing Scott as their biggest challenge because he's just so darn good at those individual challenges. He's clearly poised to win the whole thing at this point. So she could she could try to send him to the bottom with somebody. Or she can go with him and be basically guaranteed. Every time somebody's had to pair themselves off
4: mm-hmm.
1: and Scott's not the person doing the pairing, the person picks Scott to work with them. So yeah. I think obviously you want the person that's going to guarantee yeah. you the spot in the finals, but then you have to go up against him. So I, I thought it was – a really interesting conundrum that she faced, and I think she made the right choice ultimately, because I think Scott was the person that was most likely to get them to the end. Although this editing, man, it sure made it look like like the editing. I don't even think I could tell you one thing that Swifty and Zeus did in that whole challenge, because the whole thing was, oh my God, Scott and Sarah did something wrong. Oh, how are they going to make up the time? How do we know what the other what? How much time they have to make up? Because we don't know what the other team is doing. We're just watching. Like it was like we we're watching the whole thing on that GoPro that was in the top. Scott's helmet.
2: Swifty could, had trouble undoing the bolts.
3: Yeah, when the thread is red, you're good, right? Is that what <laughs> Phil said? Yes, um, but t- I really
2: think that that was very uh, interesting twist uh, this final four challenge because that uh, I wonder could we see like the emergent gameplay start to uh, come through maybe in season three or four. Mike, if Sarah realizes Scott is her biggest competition, the only way to ensure that your biggest competition doesn't get to the end might be to tank the last challenge and basically uh, take the, uh, the competitor you are worried about
3: to overtime. Listen, I would love that. That is not tough as nails. Mm-mm. Unfortunately, I, I think that there is some really fun strategic stuff, but we even saw that earlier on. Remember when Scott paired people up in that sheep challenge and he's like freight train and an angel. I want to see you in the bottom. And everyone kind of went after him for it. And he himself felt bad about doing it. I think at this point, it has still become clear that that's not what the show is about. Mm -hmm. It would Mm -hmm. certainly be fun to see because I think it would be a cool idea of, well, Scott's our biggest threat. Like either I put him on another team and take someone like Zeus, who probably is one of the most expert people with these hand signals. Or to your point, Rob, I'll work with him, but I'll throw the challenge it would not would have and would have not worked out for Sarah here because I will flat out say that. I think if Sarah went into that overtime challenge against any of those guys, she's losing, yeah. uh, including Scott, who basically like is the height that they had to climb there.
2: Yeah. I mean, maybe Scott, he has a fear of heights, potentially uh, that might have slowed him down a little bit. But yeah, I actually thought that the overtime challenge was uh, like, you know, I would have liked to have seen more people do that. But that just seemed like that. That was just like a super physical thing of like uh, climb up a beam.
3: It's the Aussie Memorial Challenge, right? Like uh, climb a beam and kids will be inspired by you. Yeah, I really don't know how to feel about this. I was surprised that there was an overtime challenge because as we remember in the final four last time, the forklift challenge, it was just the person that finished in last was eliminated. I mean, I, I'll love to talk to Phil about this. I'll be completely candid. This sort of reeked to me of like, uh, we need somewhere to go. Let's go around the corner <laughs> and climb these beams. Mm-hmm. It, the challenge, I mean, Phil would said this could take seconds. I would be surprised if this took less than two minutes. Total, And mm-hmm. they, they ha- I, feel, I feel for the editors who had to try to make that mountain out of a molehill for a two-minute challenge, but it really did seem like, okay, we have to throw one last overtime in there. Let's just sort of have them do this quick little two-minute thing and then retire for the day.
2: Yeah, just cause it was such a story for Swifty all season long about like the injuries that he had, especially uh to his feet. Like this must have been and, and kudos to Swifty for, you know, the valiant effort. But that, that could not have been easy for him.
1: No, it looked like it looked like he was really suffering, like even in that short amount of time. But honestly, was this really a story that was this really a recurring thread throughout the season? Because I feel like Swifty is maybe the person on the show that I know the least well. I remember hearing about his foot when he went into overtime at the very beginning and then like we get maybe 30 seconds of Swifty every other episode but I knew he was probably not going to the finals and he certainly wasn't going to win just because I would go in my head I would try to think of like name all the Tough as Nails contestants this season he was always the very last one I'm like who am I forgetting who am I forgetting he's
3: the golden boy of Tough as Nails season two
1: yeah he's he totally is i (laughs) It's really, I, think I I. don't know, I had some kind of Swifty-related mental block. Mm-hmm. Um, I could not remember that he was even on the show. I was like, oh, wow, he's still here and he's in the final four. He yeah. had a great run. I think as a competitor, he just didn't have any kind of story. Mm. Uh,
3: yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd agree with that. I, I mean, I think compared to the other three, I spoke last mm-hmm. week about how I didn't think, narratively speaking, Zeus really had that edit to win. So when I saw him in the final three, especially when it was him versus Scott in the final challenge, I'm like, well, I think it's it's abundantly clear that Scott's winning at this point. But I think Swifty doesn't necessarily not have that narrative content. We talked last week, right, about, like, the, the really tragic story about his town. It's just we get it in spots. Mm-hmm. As opposed to Scott and Sarah, which, Rob, you made some very good points about how, like, we've got a lot of consistent Scott content, content. Throughout, uh we've got some some building sarah stuff near the end like those felt more consistent the swifty stuff we found out a lot about him at the beginning and a lot about him at the end and in between was just sort of like well swifty's there and he's making comments
2: yeah
1: i want the record to show i pegged scott as the winner from like episode two
2: your edit reading of tough as nails is unparalleled
1: yeah, the, I, I was reading the Tegic. <laughs>
2: <laughs> is it is it
1: Tegic? Would it be Tangic? I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, Tangic. Tangic mm-hmm. sounds good. I, I don't know. We have a we have a running Brant Steel game that our friend Grace Leader runs, and we call it Gregic. So, mm-hmm.
3: yeah. so it should be fe- Fegic then, like Phil Edic. P
1: mm. H uh, E D G I C. Okay.
2: Okay. Um. <laughs> I feel like that in terms of Swifty that, um, I think that Swifty did have like a story, but I just feel like that he was like, I think he's more of like the strong silent type. Like I feel like Mm. that Swifty does not talk a lot. So uh, like I feel like where there are other people who are sort of like uh more just like uh verbose with what they have to say. Like I think that uh Swifty is like more like uh like speak softly and but then like uh you know occasionally like has like uh really poignant things to say.
3: Yeah. But I, I do think that maybe if we're talking about Swifty's story, it does come to a conclusion here in that what do we know about Swifty? He's going to get off to a running start and then kind of gas out a bit. And we even saw it in this very short The appropriately challenge.
2: named Swifty.
3: Yeah, where he gets off to an early lead, makes it halfway up, and then he is able to like sort of slow down or maybe Zeus gets a better grip. Did it come down to the gloves? Because it is noticeable that Zeus takes off the gloves and Swifty doesn't. Do you think he was starting to slip because of the gloves that allowed Zeus to get ahead there?
1: That's a good question. That almost seems counterintuitive, though, Mm because I would think that the gloves were helping your grip.
3: I guess it depends on what types of gloves were they. You know, like, were they the sort of... uh what was the name? I call them Wu shoes because Wu wore them on Survivor <laughs> Kageon. Oh, like, like
1: those Vibram five-finger things? Yeah, exactly. Like, did, was that that type of
3: consistency on the gloves or were there something that, that, that was a little more slippery to them? Because in that case, I would rather just do, you know, go with my hands uh, and just, you know, make my way up there. Even if my hands get sweaty, I still probably have more traction there than if I just, like, you know, try to go with these gardening gloves and slip down.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um- I don't know, maybe uh, Mike, uh, maybe you and Puyak could uh, could be uh, round
1: number two.
3: Oh yeah, there we go. We're gonna climb the beam. Like, oh, we tested the lower body. Now it's time to test the upper body.
1: <laughs> I mean, honestly, of all of the toughest nails challenges, this one seems like it would be one of the easier ones to replicate at home. Hmm.
3: Yeah, I yeah, I mean, uh, it was the probably the most simplistic one that we have had all season. But I I, I really did that was the partner idea. I, initially, I agree. Going back to that element, I was a little like. This is odd. I don't know how I feel about this because then there's still a teamwork idea involved. But, like, there was some interesting ideas, too. Okay, Sarah had to make her choice. Uh, And it was close. You know, you'd think that Scott and Sarah just due to track record would completely dominate, but I guess it was pretty neck and neck. Yeah. Uh, mainly due to their beam just careening out of control
2: well i was wondering that if it was going to be a close call like uh i I was wondering like how like uh phil was going to be able to like make that like uh, okay sure if you see red uh then you know that the bolt is through but from like down on the ground like i don't know if it was like a photo finish uh like i was worried about like uh how are they going to call this one
1: I'm sure they have producers and cameras set Mm -hmm. up same way with like, how did they find that little tiny speck of gray for the very particular man with the parking garage? Mm -hmm. You know, he had his people, you know, (laughs) the very particular man had his people on it.
3: Yeah. Uh, Jess, did you like the amazing race shout out during the individual challenge?
1: I mean, I'm always here for good amazing race shout out. The
3: uh, crane operators were named Joe and Bill. Oh, Oh, yeah, I
1: did note that. Like, that's classic Amazing Race. Yes. Yeah, Team Guido represented in the crane operators. Should they have I
2: actually gotten be, Team Guido to be the yeah, crane operators?
1: I really wanted it to be actual Joe and Bill.
3: <laughs> I do believe that they live in, uh, you know, Cyril's home state of Hawaii, so they could have just flown in with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like say, say hello to Joe and Bill, <laughs> our special guest.
1: Yeah, we have exacting COVID quarantines, but somehow we were able to bring a team from another show that was on 20 years ago. Mm-hmm well I mean they were
2: in the cranes like nobody was like within six feet of them
1: yeah I mean they could have just implied that they were in there in post who's gonna Mm -hmm.
2: know yeah Um, they Gave all of the teams uh the opportunity to get a video from a loved one. But there was no uh, more emotional moment for me than the return of Freight Train uh this yes. week. He made he made it back. And uh, I think the Freight Train got the treatment of.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, right. He, he got it like 10 times in a row, which I'm going to say was specifically added in for the three of us <laughs> I, I, I know, so. yeah. nobody loves that stinger more than we do it was just like I, I feel like Phil was like no 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 play it like 12 more times
2: we love it we love yeah, it we know some people that are going to love it so uh, yeah Freight Train made it back uh, and they asked Freight Train like uh, Freight Train look at the final the, the final. Uh, th- these are the final competitors well what what'd you think uh, and uh, Freight Train said ah, I had a pretty good idea Pretty good idea that was going to be the crew. Uh, everybody else is like, hey, screw you, Freight Train.
3: Yeah. Hey, wait, F you, dude. I am playing. <laughs> I'm, I gave you money after we won that gardening challenge. I'm taking that back now. Yes. I mean,
1: in fairness, I, I was saying the same thing, but I guess it's coming from a different place if it's somebody from your team.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although, and Phil tells that Freight Train is best friends with Zeus. So maybe like uh, that he was especially saying that uh, I had a pretty good idea Zeus was going to be there.
3: Yeah, you know what actually maybe he was able to benefit from that like if there were multiple dirty hands people in the fin- in the final challenge right would he be like oh uh, i don't know who to pick because that's always the interesting part as well is when it's a final three and it's two people from one team and one person from the other team if you're from the, the team that has two people in it like
5: who do you root You have for? to
2: show your loyalty yeah did you like, feel you like see- more of savage crew was rooting for scott than sarah
3: that's I, how it seemed. You know, I think they lucked out in that, like, Scott and Sarah especially, like, Scott got out pretty far ahead of Sarah after that jackhammer stuff. So I think they could very easily be like, well, sorry, Sarah. Like, Scott, you know, was was so far out there that you see Sully and Merrill like, yelling encouragement to Scott. Mm-hmm. And then you sort of hear Merrill be like, yes, yeah, Sarah, come on! Yeah. Uh, so also, I think it, Sarah. <laughs> yeah, go ahead, Sarah. So I think, unfortunately, uh, due to the position that Sarah found herself in, it became pretty clear cut for savage crew to be like all right I, I think we can sort of like uh throw our cheers and adorations behind scott at this moment because he is the one that's really in it to win it right now
1: yeah i mean we could always go back and cheer for sarah after scott finishes the course yeah that's
3: true we can't, if, if scott finishes first he's gonna be like where the hell were you guys uh then you know better to to do the former than the latter
1: i
2: did really like when scott said to meryl uh thank you for never stop yelling at me
3: I, I love that dynamic so much. And again, it, it sort of comes out here where you have Meryl being the one to, to really be like the main motivator for Scott in that moment. It's, it's just really speaking about what is probably the most fun two-person dynamic uh, of this season. That even though Meryl was out of the individual competition by this final challenge, she was still like there on Scott's shoulder essentially telling him, keep on moving. I'm not going to let you hear the end of it if you don't make it here.
0: This episode is brought to you by Sax.com.
4: and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com.
2: No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Not only did Freight Train return, but we got my, my favorite part of every Tough as Nails season. We got the ending catch up with the crew of Tough as Nails season two. Uh, just I, I love this so much. I wish every show should have this.
1: Yeah, well, you, you know, this really does sort of play into everything that we know about what Phil wants this show to be. Yeah, it's like it's just laid bare right in that moment. It's like we want to make sure everybody who works hard is acknowledged for the role that they played.
3: Yeah, <laughs> Who here has gone into roofing from this season after yeah. participating yeah. in Tough as Nails? Well, could we go through the updates one by one?
1: yeah okay yeah and right. um we got to make sure that we um we call out judge reinhold for getting made manager of the mighty mart mm-hmm. yes and
3: also uh warren uh for not graduating with honors no girlfriend and no job prospects mm. either
2: <laughs> <laughs> um all right so uh, okay, let's go through the updates uh mike do you, do you have them
3: yeah so first off uh irida Worked on her fitness, and we see some, like, uh, pretty yeah. fantastic footage of her her getting her gains on. And then she went <laughs> to Panama with her son to visit her mom.
2: Okay. Uh, so, uh, yeah, good good for uh, Ryda. Yeah.
1: I can tell I'm too close to this show because I watched all these updates, and I'm like, oh, I knew this already because I follow them all on Instagram. Mm-hmm.
3: Oh, yeah. Don't spoil yourself by. Uh, well, you should follow these contestants on social media and, and, and you know, uh, support them in any way. But, yeah, you sort of already got the where are they now months ahead of time.
2: Yeah. OK. Uh, uh, so do we know what Arida was doing in, in the gym, Jess? Could you uh, make out what she was uh, what her fitness regimen was?
1: I mean, she does a lot of weight training. Yeah. And she um, she posts a lot of gym selfies. So I knew that she was definitely making great gains.
2: Um, it makes sense, Mike, because uh, training is her specialty.
3: uh no that's patrick
2: specifically. (laughs) well she works on the rail lines
3: that's true yeah Yeah. so she's she has her own way around the trains as it were uh two words i never thought we'd hear again in tough as nails season two mikey eyebrows i
2: was surprised we got the mikey eyebrows update
3: yeah Yeah, because again uh uh, you know i know that that we don't exactly know the full details of thing it does not appear that uh, left specifically of his own volition. Mm-hmm. So I'm a little surprised we got the update, but he's uh, he's moving out
1: west with his family. Yeah, no what more, is
2: that? It just no Mike two-bedroom apartment. Mikey, eyebrows go
1: Hollywood? Yeah, apparently. You do one and a half episodes of a TV show, and all of a sudden, you're going to try to make a career out of it.
3: These eyebrows are ready for LA.
1: <laughs> ready for primetime.
3: <laughs> Mikey, primetime eyebrows. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: We've <gasps> seen the so, eyebrows. Now we get to know the rest of him. Mm-hmm.
3: That 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 almost sounds like Rob, you spoke about this on a spin are trash on Renap a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> that sounds like a spin-off on its own of like Mikey Eyebrows goes west from New York to LA.
2: Yep. He's making the the leap from Staten Island to uh I'm trying to think of uh, what the uh, West Coast version, yeah, Catalina island. island. I
3: don't yeah, know. Yeah, the only island, Alcatraz.
2: <laughs> yeah. I don't know uh, what w- where exactly he would go, but uh, all right. Uh, I mean, be interesting to find out what's going on there with Mikey Eyebrows and the family.
3: So Sally is working on, uh, I guess, building out her own family. She is not only working at a vaccine clinic, but she's engaged. And there's a, uh, there was a really cute footage of like her and her fiancé with like rose petals falling down on them. I hope for both of their sakes that he drives the the car from the wedding with the cans clanking behind it or they might be in trouble.
2: Yeah, look, if... Uh, I'm you know I'm just spitballing here but if you're looking for ways to get people like uh who might be a little on the fence about the vaccine like get Selly out there promoting uh people uh, like uh like uh go get the vaccine here's this nice lady Selly who's here to help you like hi I'm Selly and I just want to recommend that all American adults get the coronavirus vaccine
3: yeah, or she could do something, right, where maybe she can bring a little bit of personality as well. Like, she was also one of the ones that was yelling encouragement, at Scott, like, I feel like she could she could really bring that energy, too, if she was really dealing with some ordinary people there.
2: Mm-hmm, yeah. I think that uh, we should be, you know, really promoting Sally. All
3: right, well, let's move on here because it seems like now it's requisite in every Tough as Nails season yeah. that when the season's done, at least one person's going to go into roofing. Uh, it happened with Tara... Last year, no, Linda. Right, Linda Linda, went from the uh, the corrections facility to becoming a roofer. And Zeus has not, uh, you know, quit his day job, but apparently on the weekends he's roofing now.
2: Yeah, roofing. <laughs> the fun, most fun uh, way to spend your weekend is roofing and i let me just say that uh, i no roofer lee in sight but the uh, like i so i'm on the second floor here where i record the podcast and so the 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 next house next to me is like uh is is right there and there is like a crew of like uh Eight or nine guys just roofing away right outside my window. (laughs) I have not spot. If you hear any like nail guns uh, going off during this podcast, um, saying hello to all these uh, nice uh, gentlemen who are out here, and uh, they are uh, you know doing. I'm I'm getting to see up close like the whole job. I wish Phil was here to be able to say like, look at these guys working. Can you? Uh,
3: I mean, Robbie, you can really get in with them since you know the lingo. Can you open your window and be like, "Oh, it's a wang dang doodle today, isn't it?" <laughs> so, yeah, this is a, <laughs> Hey guys, this is
2: job's a real wang dang doodle. Uh, do you need, <laughs> that, and I'll tell you, Mike, they have not brought all of the the shingles up there. They're
3: waiting. They're going to wait. They're professionals. Uh, but in addition, in addition to that, uh, Zeus is still alignment. In fact, he is training other linemen as well so it's very clear he sort of like uh has his hands in a lot of jars at this point with all the different trades he's working in
5: good for
2: zeus
3: yeah absolutely uh he came in second place but he basically like won a new
1: career path
2: as well i really liked zeus uh throughout the season i feel like that uh zeus was sort of like underutilized uh if anything on the season
1: Yeah, he's very funny he's very personable
2: yeah yeah very charismatic zeus
1: yeah i wanted more from him i felt like Maybe we could have played it up as um, as like a rivalry even.
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I do think that like Swifty, Zeus was maybe not like one of the people to go to for especially like pump up dramatic confessionals like you might get from others. But what I really like about Zeus is I feel like Zeus is not the type of person you usually cast for a reality show in that, like, he's a little more soft-spoken. We talked about this with Murph, right? seems like he's a little bit more of an introvert. Uh, but I, I really enjoyed his presence overall, and it does seem like he almost had an arc as well. He talked about this at the end, right, where he learned, like, it's possible to be too overconfident that he is used to sort of working his way or the highway. And now he's he's used to like uh, now he's learned to take other people's opinions into account. So even though I think it was on a smaller scale than a Scott or Sarah, uh, I think that Zeus still had his own little journey. The journeyman of Zeus as well.
2: Mm hmm. Yes. Um, Phil, are you there?
5: yes. Yes. yes
2: i am good morning phil and uh welcome in uh the host and creator of uh tough as nails uh now congratulations phil uh get back to work on season three <laughs> and
5: four of Woo! tough as nails <laughs> yes well listen um am just setting up my light here but uh thank you for um thanks for all your support you guys and yeah it was a big day yesterday <laughs> yeah. yeah so so that
3: being said I mean, how much information do you know? I, th- I know you're still auditioning for season three, but what do you know if the intention would be because it has been renewed for two seasons to do like a season in the fall and a season in the spring if the schedule allows it?
5: I really don't know. Um, I, I don't know. I It, it just was um, doing three and four together makes a lot of sense financially. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and uh, thankfully, it, you know, we were able to then also get some consistency with the people that we want to have on. And it's something that you always want to have because starting up a new season every single time takes a lot. Yeah. As you know. So oh. we we feel really lucky.
2: So, uh, yeah, I hadn't even been thinking of it uh, that way. So uh, in the same way, like Survivor will like shoot two seasons, basically like back to back. That's uh, going to be the plan for Tough as Nails.
5: Well, we won't shoot back to back, but we'll be able to roll key people over from one season onto another season are mm. key editors and producers and also just because everybody on the production is working freelance um, it it's hard to to know what you know what people are doing they 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 obviously want to work on ho- hopefully they want to work on your show but they also got to go make a living too mm-hmm. so the more you can project and give them a schedule ahead the better, more likely you are to get the people that you really would like. Um, how, how, Jess, it's so nice to see you. I'm sorry you had to run out. I felt terrible. I like you were gone and I didn't even get to say <laughs> oh, hi I'm sorry, or Phil. anything. You just like, you were like one of those old movies where the person just disappears.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry about that, Phil. I, I have a hard out every day at a particular time or, you know.
3: Got a
5: clock out. Yeah. My
1: son's preschool teacher comes after me.
5: It was very Star Trek-esque. It was like you zapped a button and just disappeared and mm-hmm. ended up in another world. It was like Thanos
1: came down and just yes. erased
5: me. And just took you out. I, I was like... Oh, <laughs> do you think was...
3: Thanos wears the gloves when he climbs the beams? Or do you think he goes that gloves? Phil, <laughs> well, can, can I talk to you about that for a second? Because I would love to hear your thoughts about that final overtime challenge. We talked about this earlier on the podcast. I was a bit surprised that you did a final overtime challenge because... Last time, it was just whoever finished at the bottom of the forklift challenge. Uh, At what point in the process did you decide, we want to do one final overtime challenge and we'll have it be this sort of, uh, you know, beam climbing done in a second type of challenge?
5: Well, we actually had a overtime challenge in season one. And Mm. um, there was a change in... Creative change in a choice not to put it in, not to have it. Oh. And I always liked the idea of it because i felt there was a a good opportunity for some extra drama in the show so we managed to convince the network to let us do it and um it was pretty it was yeah it was like an all or nothing very different from any of the overtimes just again because we're just such a young show we're Mm. still trying things you know and uh I told the editor that I wanted them to think of a of a stare down on a dusty street in a cowboy town, where the two cowboys are eyeing each other up, and they got their hands at the ready, and they're waiting for that quick draw, and uh, to just slow down time and just live in that moment and the intensity of it all. And uh, I think our editor Sue did an amazing job with that with that whole scene. And did you pick up at all what was going on with the with the beam and the way they were sitting? Any of you pick up the. Was what, it was the going on?
3: what was it? What was it? That famous painting of all the, the people on the beam high up in the high rise. Mm-hmm.
5: Rob, please, uh, Bell, please. Bell. Thank you. Um, yes, that's 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 correct. Um, yes, I, I'm glad you picked up on that. Yeah, I've always loved that photograph. And when I was doing sort of a style sheet for Tough as Nails early on, it was one that I had pulled out and as well as old photographs of workers in the thirties and so on. And so, yeah, that was kind of what we were alluding to there. Just them all sitting on the beam watching the showdown. Mm Hmm. Yeah. Phil,
2: uh, congratulations again to scott on being the uh tough as nails uh season two champion uh do you have any thoughts on scott's win
3: in what way sorry
2: just in terms of like uh how do you see uh scott as a a winner of the show
3: especially compared to murph who i think had a very like you know different type of journey than than scott did two very different uh players in tough as nails
5: yes very different um I think Scott. what Scott proved is the strength of life skills, because Scott was Mm. not necessarily the fittest on the cast. Murph was definitely, his fitness level was extreme. Um, Scott had a good base of fitness, but he wasn't, say, as aerobically fit as Knuckles or Ryder. Um, Again, I'm surmising here, but I think if you just look at aerobic fitness... Um, I don't think he was as he was in the top group of uh, of our contestants in terms of fitness. But what I think he had in spades, so to speak, was he had uh, incredible life skills. He really could turn his hand at anything, and and I think that's ultimately what got him to the top of the pile and got him the win.
1: Yeah,
3: I mean that's what that final challenge was, right? It's Just an accumulation of a lot of different skills.
1: Well, Absolutely. I have a question about that then so you say that you 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 can kind of rank the aerobic fitness of the different contestants how much how much evaluating what is the evaluation process like for that do you test them before they compete
5: yeah so i think i've spoken before about the brutal truth Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and the brutal Mm -hmm. truth is as many burpee push-ups as a person can do in an eight minute period you try to do 10 in the first 30 seconds and if you don't make it you have to take a 30 second penalty and then the next time you do it, you do nine. And if you don't make nine, you take a 30-second penalty and you try to do eight and so on. And uh, Scott's score was was good, but not anywhere near as Ooh. high as, as Angel, who had the highest. or uh, That makes sense, yeah. <laughs> or Knuckles, who was the, the fittest of all of the women. Um, if you remember last season, Linda and Melissa had... Hires, I think it was uh, the order of fitness was for the burpee push-ups was Danny, Linda, Melissa. Murph was actually further down. but again, again, because it's not just aerobic fitness, it's strength and it's also mental toughness and, it's, and life skills, I think it just goes to prove that you can't just win on your fitness or your strength. Angel couldn't just win based on that, those attributes. You had to have the combination. And that's why when you look at Michelle's Brutal Truth score, she was right up there. I mean, she was over 100 burpee push-ups in eight minutes, which for for anybody is high. But for a 62-year-old woman, um, it just goes to show you just how fit she was. And Mm -hmm. then you bring all of the life skills you have. That's why she did so well. That's why she went so deep into the competition. So – Aerobically, Knuckles was you know a, and right out of the gate, we saw that she was a, a hot contender. I think where where she struggled at times was just when things got complicated, and she spoke about that openly. Um but when she was in her comfort zone, like she was in the landscaping, she was pretty much unbeatable. She she really was a, a force. So at the end of the day, what, by the time you've gone through all these different challenges, any weaknesses are going to start to show up. So I think Scott's win was about consistency and strength, endurance, agility, mental toughness. And I think what really got him the win in the end was, was his life skills. I think that was what separated him from everybody else. A lot of people with a lot of life skills, tough as nails. But I think Scott had the most. Phil,
2: uh, we saw that Sarah had to make a big decision to start off uh, the episode. And uh, I think we all really liked the idea of like, okay, do you pick the person that's going to help you win? Or do you send your biggest competition to the other team where maybe they'll potentially lose? Um, did you feel like that uh, that was the right decision for Sarah to take Scott?
5: No, I don't. Mm. Um, I don't. I, I think her pick really was uh, Zeus. Um, And I was really trying to get her to think deeply about what she was about to do because she was pulling the person who on paper had the biggest chance of winning tough as nails. Mm. Zeus knew how to use a crane. Zeus was good with heights. Zeus had proven himself to be a hot contender. I think that Sarah and Zeus could have won that challenge it would have forced Scott and Swifty into overtime. I think that had Scott had to do that climb against Swifty, Swifty would have beaten him. That's just my opinion. Mm-hmm. I think it would have been a weakness for Scott with power to weight ratio, trying to climb up a vertical column. So I really do believe, and look hindsight again, we don't know, but if it was me, and even though he was on another team, I would have picked Zeus. I think Zeus was starting to really shine, and I think at that point, and uh, he had all the skills and attributes. I would have been a little worried about taking Scott up on top of that structure, uh, mm-hmm. knowing, knowing that he was scared of heights. I, I, I mean, he dealt with it with no issue at all, by the way, but I really do believe Sarah and, and uh, Zeus could have teamed up and won that without Scott.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, just I mean, my opinion. No, I mean, I think the the one thing I would push against was, like you said, I think maybe Sarah picking Zeus was the big X factor because they had never worked together. I would imagine mm-hmm. that one reason why she picks Scott, she's like, look, I just want to make sure that I get through. Uh, so if I do, let me pick someone that I know I can work with really well, even if he's a threat, as opposed to like, I might make this move, but then I end up in overtime against someone like Zeus who... Yeah. basically made turn that beam into a ladder in a very short amount of time.
5: Yeah. No, I I I I understand there's arguments on both sides and and again we are talking about hindsight here so mm-hmm. it's easy now and so I get what you're saying it was for her a little bit of insurance she knows Scott more mm-hmm. and I felt that she was just really trying to just she wasn't necessarily thinking about the final steps as much as the next step and the next step was how do I try to, what's the best way for me to get into the final three? And I think she looked at Scott and went, that is my best chance of getting into the final three well it's
2: tricky because uh, this show is so much about like the camaraderie about the teams and I, I do wonder it's like okay well if I can't win then I'll be happy if like my teammate wins whereas like taking Zeus would be like a little bit more of like the cutthroat move yeah. of sending the other two like savage crew people like you're sort of like guaranteeing that one of them is gonna be eliminated and you know out of the consideration so uh, it's like a weird pivot for the people yes. that have like been so much about the team team to then uh, be thinking like individual first.
5: Yeah, I, I, I think you're absolutely right. I, I think, uh, I, I think it gets in the way of making sometimes maybe making the best decisions for the individual mm-hmm. because there is that loyalty and um you know, even when they, when they won and then they signed the beam, they signed Savage crew on there, right? Mm-hmm. Like mm. they were still thinking team. So it does definitely get in the way of, it definitely gets in the. I think Zeus made it very clear that he could switch gears and that he was about winning for his family. And mm-hmm. I think he didn't have any trouble switching gears. But I, I think some of the others, absolutely, they, they were very much about teams. I mean, Knuckles was constantly talking about that. I think Knuckles, if Knuckles had to choose between being the overall winner and winning the team competition. I, I wouldn't be surprised if she said, I'd rather win with my team. I'd get more satisfaction out of that. I think it's just the way Knuckles is. Yeah. I could be wrong. And but for, I, I, for
2: Zeus, like uh, it was probably easier for him because the rest of his team was all eliminated. You know, he was the yeah. only like uh representative mm-hmm. yes. for Dirty Hands where the Savage crew had three exactly. people in the finals. Yeah.
5: Yep, absolutely. He didn't have the same uh, moral issues or, or, uh, you know, <laughs> connections and, um uh, but yeah, I thought, uh, we've been wanting to do that, uh, that iron working uh, challenge for quite a while. When I did the first write up for it before it was actually way early, like a few years ago, um, I I worked with a, with a challenge producer and we described it as a giant game of operation where you (laughs) you had to get the beams inside the structure without touching the sides. And, and at one point we were thinking, you know, that we would penalize people for touching (laughs) The structure like you had to get it in without, you know, being yeah, yeah, it was light
3: up um, red. If that was the case, So they knew that they got it wrong.
5: Exactly. It'd be like a big red light that goes on or something. But um whew, I'm glad we didn't go down that road because Scott really made it difficult for himself to get that that uh, that beam in there. That was like flying all over the place. Mm hmm.
3: Speaking of the the final challenge, uh, so with the family videos, was that something like? Did everyone's family get asked to make a video? Did you reach out to those three's family like right beforehand to make a video? What was the process behind getting all that?
5: Yeah, I mean, we like we did last time with flying the families for the final three out. We just sort of said, "Look, your husband or your." Girlfriend or your wife is doing really well, there's a chance that they may make it into the final three. If they do, would you be available to fly? So it was the same thing with the videos. If they do, would you be available to make a video? We'll need it by this day, and so on. So it was the same process of letting them know that and having them on standby because we didn't know whether we were gonna uh have to have one for Swifty if he was gonna make it through. Um you know it's 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 interesting. Yesterday I had uh uh, we had a lot of good chatter on the, uh, about the show, which was nice, you know, because it's hard to, with a brand new show to like generate that online chatter. Mm-hmm. There's so much stuff out there. <laughs> and um, it's good that there's more dialogue going on about the show, which is great. You know, I think w- word of mouth about the show, people are starting to talk about the show and what it means. And I got this great video from a guy who saw our cameraman at a recycling plant and he had his toughest nail hat on and the guy Jose at this recycling plant said, Oh, Toughest Nails, I love that show. And Scott said, Oh, well, I work on that show. I'm the lead DP. And he goes, Really? He goes, he goes, Would you mind sending a message to Phil? And Scott said, Yeah, hold on a second. So he shot it and uh, and he put it up and um, and and it was basically that he loves tough nails because the show uh makes makes working class people feel important you know like acknowledges working class people and when when you see stuff like that you realize just that that guy working in that recycling plant those people who are out there making the deliveries climbing up poles doing all this hard doing the hard yards across the country that this show is really about them it's not about the aspiring singer or the the dancer or that and by the way all great shows and we need those shows too but th- they they see that this is their show this is about th- their people this is about so many of 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 the masses of people in America who keep the country running so it's just a good feeling anyway there was uh, one guy he said uh, he said how do i convince my mother that this show is not scripted <laughs> <laughs> and that you didn't script it out and i i don't know how to answer that question like you know how do they do they re- i just don't i don't comprehend sometimes how people think like really like hey listen uh, sarah i've got a really good idea would you mind if scott just won this one you know just for the hell of it or uh you know dirty hands you've had a good run but if it's all right with you would really love to script it that this is a complete annihilation and you guys get crushed in the final team challenge. You're good with that, right? I mean, we are going to give them money, but I, I just don't get it. Like, where, what is it? Have we become so, uh, I mean, really? I, I, oh, man. And then it speaks to the integrity of the people we have on the show. You really think, you really think Zeus or Andor and or Knuckles would, would be convinced of just throwing something? Mm. Not in your life would they ever do that. Not in your oh. life.
3: What this is not the thing to do, but what I would do is I would be like, no, actually. So you see the script that I had for the season. They actually would off-book a significant portion of time mm-hmm. that you thumb through this like fake script of well, no, Dirty <laughs> Hands was supposed to win at the end, and then there was this moment where Zeus is climbing up the ladder, but then the ladder falls apart. But then Tara comes in on a boat to save him at the end of the day from falling into the river. Uh, but they just they just went off the script. <laughs> so no, it, I tried to make it scripted, but it's not. It's it's uh. all real.
5: Wow! Yeah. Okay. I
3: highly
1: go- recommend go you got to carry around a blank notebook all the time, just in case somebody asks you this.
5: Mm-hmm. Yes. No, you're so right. I've got to. I've got to. Yeah. Wow.
2: And write down all I those mean, suggestions you get.
5: It's it's a it's it's amazing to me, but um yeah, just I think what what I'm hearing consistently is just an appreciation for our cats' in integrity and mm. work ethic. And I think it 's just uh it 's come at the right time to have some of these messages out there in the world at a time where there is a lot of division and i I think uh yeah, I feel good that we 're able to make something that I think leaves people feeling positive definitely is a show that makes people cry mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> as well <laughs> as laugh hopefully but uh yeah it's so nice I- to make something.
1: Yeah, it's, it's nice to make that kind of impact. So here's kind of a cynical question, Phil. Uh-oh. We're going to go from this to cynical okay. because the show is actually kind of gaining in popularity and, you know, you just got renewed for a couple more seasons. Um, it's, it's more people are taking interest um, in it. It's kind of getting a little bit of social buzz. At one point, are, are you going to start to have trouble maintaining that integrity? Like, are there going to be people coming in for the wrong reasons? Could be. Um, I mean, I think you. I think
5: it's impossible to know what borders we're going to have to navigate down the line. Uh, I certainly wouldn't want to jump the shark with things and try to, you know, like, I, I think we just need to stay strong to what we set out to do in the beginning and try to hold to that. Uh, I do see a time where, we would have an All-Stars. Um, I could see that happening where where uh, we would bring the very best of Savage Crew and the very best of Dirty Hands in for a, an All-Star team competition, uh, including some winners who then go head-to-head for a kind of like an All-Star winner. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, you know, like maybe if we were lucky enough to be down the road at Season 10 or something and let the fans vote for who they want to come back on, you know, their favorites from both Savage Crew and Dirty Hands. Um, but, you know, look, you, you Jesse, you're speaking to something that there, there are lots of temptations when you're making a show to go for those things that sometimes um, take away from the original intent. And I remember on Amazing Race, when we first did the show, the idea of being on a television show and a reality show was such a foreign thing for so many people. They didn't sort of understand how something, an opportunity like that could be leveraged to go do something else, to become famous, to start their own show, to be an influencer or whatever. And now people are so savvy. Like you'll have people on the show and they'll go, would you like me to do that sound bite again? Or a plane will fly over and they'll literally, you know, they've never done television before and they'll go, you want me to do that again because of the plane? Mm-hmm. Did, did that mess up the sound?
3: I, was I that mean, just Meryl, or was that, that other people too? Because Meryl knows
5: her <laughs> way around what planes sound like. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> She's the one that picks up on the plane noise. But people are so savvy; they know what green screens are. They know what uh, they know what a waveform is. Um, they, they know they know how to do editing, and there's there's a vernacular that used to be this hidden away in this secret world of what we did in television. And I go back, by the way, you know, like to the 80s. So I go back a long, long way with film. But it was like almost like a a magic trick that we did, you know, where nobody had access to these broadcasting capabilities that we had. You had to have this very expensive television studio. And to get out there into the world, you had to go, you had to be on a TV show. You don't need that anymore. Like, I could go live around the world on my phone right now, mm-hmm. and so I think people are just. Yeah, I think there's a there's always a risk of that, Jess. That you that, but but as long as we, I think in our casting, continue to look for the authenticity in our casting, drywall, Danny, third world, third generation drywaller. That's what he loves. That's what he went back to on Monday. Uh, Is Danny going to quit being a drywaller and become, you know, some, an actor or some influence or whatever, but I don't think so. I I think he's sort of so entrenched in that world with his family that I can't see him doing that. Or is Melissa going to leave the farm? I don't think so. So I think we have to just continue to make sure that we have authenticity in our casting. So mm-hmm. that there isn't people who are like, oh, I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to become, a, you know, the next mass singer or something. <laughs> <laughs> they have to wear like a it's welding. It's Roofer
1: Lee. Oh, my <laughs> God. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> Lee, everybody. Okay, yeah. well, I want to go on record as Wang saying I would, doodle. Be, I would be here for it if we put Roofer Lee on other shows. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I just don't want that to become the focus of Tough as Nails. It's like a springboard to other media opportunities. I don't know about that.
5: Yeah, look, I mean, I know for a fact that um, – you know there's there 's something that uh Carhart did where they reached out to one of our contestants which you 'll find out about next week and Carhartt wanted to do wanted to because of authenticity they wanted to do something about a, a working mums and so they reached out to one of our contestants um and asked her to be part of this campaign and I personally am excited for them and happy for them and uh Carhartt looked after this person and their family brought their whole family out. So I can't be in control of what people might do or what people might go on to do after the show. But I think to your point, the, the idea is that we just continue to stick to the authentic mm-hmm. aspect of what the show is. And But you can never stop people from leveraging it to go do something else mm-hmm. that's impossible. Mm-hmm. It's just
1: like which doors are opening and right. which doors are they mm-hmm. going to go through? Yeah,
5: and look if Murph ends up uh, if Murph ends up acting in an episode of uh, SEAL Team or um, <laughs> wow, you, you know I would be I'd be fine with that. It's like you know he's that's what he is. He he's authentic. And look, they did that with Tyler Gray. Tyler Gray was real deal military who went in to mm-hmm. become an actor, and he adds an authenticity to that show as the result. So I'm never going to begrudge anybody from. Uh, from jumping from being on of his Nails to going to do s- something else. I just don't know if it's necessarily in the nature of the type of people that we have on our show. Mm-hmm. As opposed to like people who walk in the audition room sometimes on other shows I've worked on where they literally will say, you know, I want to be famous and I want, I want people to know my name and I want to, you know, like they're just completely candid about it. <laughs> yeah. We've never heard that from anybody on our show.
2: Phil, my favorite part of the finale of Tough as Nails is the update that we get about all of the different players and what they're doing uh a- after the show. Uh how hard is that to like narrow it down to like uh their their update into like a sentence or two?
5: Yeah, it's hard. It's hard, but it's um I've always been frustrated when I've watched a documentary and I know that or watched a series or something and I know that um so much has happened since the end of filming and I'm kind of itching to want to know. And, uh, was one of our young producers who, who had suggested it. And, uh, we were like, you know, that's an interesting idea. Cause there's always those questions like, well, what are they doing now? You know, what are they? And mm-hmm. so I think to your point, just, I think it illustrated that everybody went back to work, right? Like freight trains still out there in the winter, still wearing shorts, still making his that. deliveries. And, and, uh, that was, the, I thought that was a nice little, and a nice little punctuation at the end so yeah back to work um do and- you uh do you ask the players to submit like their updates or are you more so like scrolling through their social media oh no no like- no we ask them mm-hmm. yeah 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 no we we have a producer get on the phone and sort of tell us what you've been up to oh really you went to see him okay great okay and how you how you coping and what's going on at work and oh I just got a promotion and oh, okay that's great great you have any photos of that yeah well okay good videos got any videos of yeah okay congratulations that's wonderful you're pregnant oh wonderful okay and so yeah no it's digging into there absolutely no we we. We we don't want to miss anything, right? Like anything really important. But I think to, to see Knuckles and to see that she's pregnant and know that she's going to have a baby, you leave that with in people's minds. They're thinking, wow, this woman is so tough and she's got one kid already and she's managing to be a working mom and now she's got another baby on the way. And I think people love that thought. And then, you know, if she ever came back for All-Stars, they'd remember that. You know when when we, she left last time was now she has three children and she's mm-hmm. you know by the way look what I got on yes what is
2: that team
1: oh Arida team Arida, Arida.
5: Arida. yes Arida. Look I at love that. yeah so I've got uh I have my Merrill shirt freight train uh, I didn't get a dry wool dainey, but I've got toughest Arida um, what do does the freight other- train
2: shirt say.
1: It's got a picture
5: of a uh, freight train it, it on it. It literally just says freight train and it's got a big freight train on the front.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I thought it would be like uh, like the generic brown no. polo with like freight train written on the Freight
2: train shorts, Phil. That's the, the branding for freight train. Wear all yeah. year
5: long shorts. Yep. You wear them Ooh, all year long. Um, I like
3: that. Insulated shorts
5: where you can wear them in the <laughs> winter and least in the summer. Baseline shorts. I love it. Yeah, them. like those hockey ones. You know how they have those hockey shorts that are kind of like except you don't have the socks. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no. So I got my ride shirt on and, uh, yeah, I was, I love the, uh, I love the postscript and, uh, yeah, I can't believe it's over. I can't believe season two is yeah. over. I mean, it's, yeah. is it there anything so from season two that you
2: feel like, Oh, that is something that I really would like to explore more in season three. Was there anything that you, uh, felt like went so well from this season that you wanted to try to expand into the future seasons?
5: There's a lot. I mean, I've got a, a document about 30 pages long with things I don't want to do, and things that um, I think I can do better, and uh, suggestions that I have for how collectively we can all be better. Um, I think it's very important to to look at feedback and and then try to take a bit of distance and then sit back and then watch and go, ooh, that doesn't really work, but that really works. That's kind of fun. And um, I think the thing we really struggled with shooting was shooting at a time when there was a, a very big black cloud over the country and there was, the country was kind of depressed. And so that can't help but filter through the production because people are going home to problems and worrying about COVID and kids that can't go to school and homeschooling and the pressures of what we were all going through. And so There's a couple of times where I, you know, my job is I walk in and I try to pump everybody up, get them all going. And there's a couple of times where I can see that even my energy is not, I have to, uh, it's my responsibility to get everybody to that place, right? To that TV mindset where you, you're making an entertainment show. It's not always easy. You know, it's early in the morning and people you've got to get them out of a, out of a funk. And so I, um, I feel like, you know, I've got to be more aware of that. I don't think it's going to be as hard this time because I think that the the mood is shifting. Mm -hmm. There's more positivity, but I think I want to bring some more levity and people like to laugh. You know, I think that some of the best moments on the season were some of the more fun moments. Uh, we put out a thing there, like what was the favorite moment of the whole season, and it was me talking, saying that a rider was talking to the engine. It was some silly little dad joke, <laughs> mm-hmm. and and it's like people notice those little things. And just, I just want to say before you vanish in a uh, in, in a Star Trek fashion, um, and just suddenly whoosh, like a puff of smoke, um, it's been wonderful uh, talking with you this season, and thank you for your uh, your your insight and. Um, and uh, I hope, I hope we get to do this again.
1: Yeah, I count on it, Phil. Uh, We really appreciate you coming by. And I'm so, I'm so excited that uh, we have the opportunity to do this every season. So we will see you for season three for sure.
5: Yeah. I mean, you guys are, you guys have been hugely supportive and we really, we appreciate it because it's just about getting the word out there. And hopefully as more and more people talk about it and hear your podcast and just, just a little bit at a time. Just word, of, you know. Our show is a word of mouth show. It's not a big bang, train wreck show with big celebrities. It's a little mm-hmm. grassroots show, and so it's gonna, it's gonna require word of mouth for it to grow. It's there's no other way.
2: <laughs> yeah. So, all right. Okay. Bye, Jess. Well, thanks a lot. Bye. Okay. Yeah. Jess is about to beam up just like Zeus did in the overtime. <laughs>
1: well, yeah. so.
3: Speaking towards that feedback, because I do want to bring up something that something you definitely, I think, took into account seemingly uh, from the, the glancing at the final challenge was I think you did make it less focused on, you know, I think the brute strength specifically that a lot of those tasks weren't necessarily like pick this thing up and put it down over there. But I will admit that I have still seen some people feel like it was still maybe a bit unfairly slighted towards men Still is that something you're still going to to work on? What was sort of the adjustment for you in between seasons when it came to working on this final challenge?
5: Well, one thing that people might not know and um they might not know and also uh is something that you know, you can only get in the weeds so much, but we do use power to weight ratio uh adjustment power to weight Uh, adjustments on -hmm. challenges and that included the finale. So those traps were heavier for Scott than they were for Sarah. They were based on body weight. Um, So I understand that that might be the perception. Um, But uh, yeah, look, I, I don't think you can ever, with what we're doing, you can never make something 100% fair. We're constantly pushing ourselves to make something absolutely fair for every single person. But, you know, Scott walking into driving a bulldozer mm-hmm. when he's driven those machines all his life, there's no way that we can make that fair. And then someone pointed out, well, um, you know, I can't believe you didn't teach them how to drive the bulldozer. We did. We just can't get into all of the minutiae And uh, Scott was the only one that had ever driven a bulldozer before. And even with everybody being equally instructed, the spread was over 12 minutes Mm -hmm. of time. Mm -hmm. So even with the same instruction, not everybody is going to arrive at the same place in terms of their ability because of other factors that come into play. Zeus was good at it because he was good at PlayStation. Right. Um, (laughs) Freight Train was good at it because he's driven a lot of things. Swifty was good at it because of his driving experience. Merrill because of her driving experience in a plane. So uh, maybe not something that Sally was necessarily strong at or knuckles or, or angel for that matter. So uh, yeah, you're constantly doing that. And let's not forget that we have people who are weighing anywhere from 120 pounds to 250, 260 pounds. They are men and women. They're of different ages. They're of different skills, different backgrounds. Name a competition that has that range of competitor in a physical challenge. Uh, I'm trying to think of any mm. that are out there that are like this. It's not easy. Yeah. It's, it's, it's it's very difficult. Um how did uh how did Sarah beat out uh you know speaking of the male female thing how did Sarah beat out swifty how did how did Linda in season one out chop the winner mm-hmm. in an axe chopping competition mm. that's a the lightest contestant a woman out chopping danny. Drywall Danny, Murph, and Miles. Mm -hmm. So there's no adjustment for male, female, no adjustment for weight, no adjustment for anything. An axe and some wood. And the lightest contestant beats the winner of Tough as Nails. So it's impossible to make absolute things absolutely fair for absolutely every single person in every single scenario, but we do our best and we will continue to try to be better. Oh, look at that. There you go. Be better. Hashtag be better with everything (laughs) that we, that we do.
2: Yeah. Uh, Phil, we were so excited to see freight train, uh, return and, and, uh, did, did we come full circle where freight train got the spec mix music? Yes.
5: yes. Fresh out of quarantine. <laughs> yeah. Just
3: work out that literally like the day he was able to come back, happened to be the <laughs> pretty last? Pretty much.
5: Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, we wanted to bring him back earlier, uh, but it was just, listen, this COVID thing is a I don't know if you've noticed, but it's very disruptive. It's cold COVID-19. I've heard that, it's that it's really a big problem. Disruptive. yeah, yeah. It's it in the way of everything, everything. Hmm. So, yeah, look, we wanted to bring him back earlier. It just wasn't viable or safe. Uh, and we're just so pleased that we managed to squeeze him in and deliver him for the final episode because um, it would have been a shame not to. And I think, you know, the audience really wanted it. And uh, it's a bit unfair on him that COVID stopped him from coming back to compete right. and being part mm-hmm. of his team, you know, and who knows what might've happened if he was there for the car challenge and if he'd been there for the drywall challenge, we don't know. Mm-hmm. And that's frustrating because in another world could have been a very different result, but yeah, it wasn't, we were living in that world. We dealt with it as best we could.
3: So, after you finish shooting, Phil, is it immediate? Because I can imagine that another reason to see Freight Train back was like, oh, he gets to see everybody. Did, was it like immediately? Okay, let's pack up, go home. Is there like a wrap party that you throw when the season finally finishes?
5: Well, first of all, because of COVID, we can have a wrap party. Mm-hmm. That's true. You know, we've Barbecue? never had a. We've never actually had like a proper celebration for Tough as Nails because. We finished shooting season one. We had a little bit of a gathering after season one because that was before the whole COVID outbreak. Mm. But then once the show went to air, we couldn't have a production gathering to do some kind of celebration. We couldn't do it when we found out about doing season two. We couldn't do it off the back of this one. And so, no, it was literally like, we got to get packed up and send everybody home and get them home safely. Like our number one focus was, We wanted to make sure that we got every single person back home off the clock, Mm. Mm COVID-free. And Terry, who is our EIC, achieved that goal with his team. Extremely proud of them for doing it because there are a lot of shows that did not get through COVID-free. Yeah, with all the hundreds of people that we had working on the show, he did it. Um, And so I'm really proud of that. But no, there was no... Couldn't do it. I mean, I'm hoping, obviously, in the future, (laughs) that's going to change, of course.
2: Yeah. Yeah. God willing, uh, when you get to filming uh, three and four, uh, this won't be nearly as big of a concern.
5: Well, we going into three, which will be in the summer, um, we're going to definitely have to follow COVID protocols. That's Mm -hmm. the crazy thing. Um, Most of us will be, I would imagine, will be vaccinated. But even then, there's going to be certain protocols to follow. Mm. So, uh, but then who knows if we shoot season four by the end of the year. I don't know. I I, I just saw that whole thing, what's going on in Europe right now with the third wave. I just can't wait to get this. I mean, this is just a nightmare, what's going on. It's Mm -hmm. just as you think it's all coming to a head and it's all getting better. Then you hear crazy reports about what's going on overseas. I'm like, oh.
3: Well, I guess the good news is uh, we have quality entertainment like like Tough as Nails to to get us through. So what? So what's the status on season three? So so is casting officially underway? Is it done at this point? Because you just said you're you're eyeing to shoot in the summer.
5: Yeah. So we've been doing casting for the last few months. Um, we actually started back in uh, the end of January, mm. and um, and then we we've been working on the challenges for the last few months as well. So we're 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 about to go out and pitch those. Um, we have some really good ones lined up, and what's great about it is people are coming to us now with ideas and uh, and fans too, by the way. And um, look, I, I would love to have people come back um, from previous seasons, um, like we did with Rufa Lee and Danny. I'd like to do that mm-hmm. more. I, I I love the idea that they come back and there were these returning characters. And the idea is to build a family of, of characters on top of nails that we can, that are like go-tos and uh, they can dish out the punishment for a change instead of, uh, instead of having to deal with it in the first place. And one of my favorite moments of the whole season was just that wang dang doodle with Roofer Lee. Have I told you that I love Rufer Lee? I probably have. No, I'm kidding. Never, I'm kidding. Never I'm kidding. heard about yeah. that. <laughs> I don't know. Look, I just I think of him, I smile, I say his name, I smile. <laughs> I I I see his face, I hear the words, "Wang Dang Doodle." I see him stuffing his face with popcorn and I see a soda pop in his hand and I see him on a roof somewhere in a beautiful sunset. Mhm. <laughs> what a what a picture. My wow, my, my panorama. My, my love for my love for Rupert Lee extends uh, across Uh, all roofs across America Mm -hmm. yeah Uh, well Phil uh, thank
2: you uh, so much for uh, you know uh, spending time with us and uh, breaking down everything from uh, the finale of uh, season two and uh, again congratulations on all the success with the show
5: yeah and um, I hope you were interesting before I got on because that's the part that my team wants to listen to that Mm -hmm. I want to hear me
3: no. no, Phil, we do have to take something up. We do have a tab from all the dinners that you keep walking out on. You're going to have to fill it somehow. So start washing some dishes, Phil. Let's go to work. Got to go.
5: Got to go. Um, <laughs> I've, I'm really busy. You're taking up a lot of my time. You mm-hmm. Got another belt to make. Yeah. Yeah, look at that beautiful belt. I got to get, uh, get Murph and uh, Scott's name en- engraved on that puppy. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, how exciting
2: the title yeah. of tough as nails the title uh, of tough as nails yeah uh but uh Phil this is always so great to get to chat with you about yeah. all these uh episodes and thank you for being so generous with your time and all in all seriousness
5: well i actually really enjoy it and um yeah let's do it again soon okay. and uh i'm sure i'll be seeing you around the traps somewhere the lobster <laughs> traps yeah i'll see you up on a roof somewhere yes. where, you know putting in a roof or
2: yeah. Well, Mike and I are going to be doing our burpee push-ups because maybe uh, you want to see us on uh, Tough as Nails Season 3.
5: Exactly. I, think, I think that before we come back in Season 3, you should try the burpee push-up test and we'll mm-hmm. see what number you end up at because it will give you some perspective on just how tough some of our contestants are. Yeah. Okay. All right, well, we
3: got well. We'll make sure that'll be a thing to check off uh, before.
5: The brutal truth. Back. No, no lip service here. I want to. Uh, I want to score.
2: Okay. Well, how do we score our own burpee push-up test? We see how many we can do. You no, know, you
3: you have to watch each other do it. Yes, yeah, so I have to watch. Like some poor soul. Okay, so you put the clock on through
5: burpee push-ups. <laughs> so here's how it goes. Yeah, you put the clock on. Okay. You try to do ten in thirty seconds. So. So, Rob, you're watching as Mike does it, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. So you're counting and you're looking at the time. If Mike does not get 10 in the first 30 seconds, you add up whatever he did in that first, let's say he did eight. When you get to 30 seconds, you then make Mike take a penalty. You write down eight and you get him to take a penalty. So you write eight and then you put zero for the next 30. Mm. On the At the top of the next minute, Mike has got to try to do nine. Let's say he does seven. You write down seven, now he's got to take a penalty. Coming up to the next minute, you got to try to do eight. If you don't do eight, you take another penalty and so on. The idea is to try to find the sweet spot of of how many burpee push ups you can maintain without taking a penalty because when you're taking a penalty, obviously you're not adding up. What's the penalty? The penalty is that
3: you get zero for that round?
5: Yes. You're, you're okay. literally waiting for 30 seconds. So you're recovering, but you're not getting any burpee push-ups. Okay. So what I would suggest is you try to get 10 in maybe for the first two if you can. That's, okay. Then you got 20 under your belt in the first minute. Now you go into the into the minute and a half and maybe let's say you get nine and you take a penalty – now you try to maintain nine. You've got to keep adding up those numbers. Okay. A perfect score is 160. Holy moly. Yes. You said Michelle
3: uh, got nearly there, right?
5: No, Michelle was over 100. Right. Uh, she was 101. Um, Melissa was 116. <laughs> Linda was over 126. Danny was 128, I think. All right, Rob, I think we're going to aim for 10. Yeah. <laughs> I I think you guys could realistically get 60, 70 maybe. Okay. All right. Phil, did you invent you. this or is
2: this uh like a common test?
5: No, it's it's a it it was actually it actually came from our uh, show trainer. Uh, hmm. Yeah, and he he came up I said to him, "What's the best way to test people's physical brutal truth mental strength?" And he said the brutal truth. Interesting. Wow. Okay. All it's, right.
3: That, it that really that, is uh, hard. Yeah, I mean, people should put that on their dating profiles now. Like, forget height and weight. I want to know what's your brutal truth score.
5: Right. That, that's sort of a determinant of how good a lover you'll be. If you ever get sent, <laughs> if you ever get sent into... Uh, man, that guy, he can burpee push-up all night long. Um,
2: <laughs> no penalties. If you ever get,
5: no you you ever get sent to uh, prison... Oh, you're going to have to cut that out. Oh, I no. Guess, no, oh, if no, you, no, uh, no, if you ever get sent to prison... Um, And let's be honest, there's probably a pretty good chance based on your behavior, uh, (laughs) at least one of you. If you ever get sent to prison, know that that's the the one exercise that you should be doing while you're spending time in jail. That and reading law books, you know, like at least further your education.
2: Mm Mm-hmm. Okay.
5: Get fit and further your education. Promise me that if you go to jail, Rob. All right. I promise you that you have my word, Phil. And I'll, I'll visit you even, uh, like maybe once every three or four months.
3: Good. Phil, oh. can, you slip a, can you slip a bolt cutter in the cake so I can break my
5: way? <laughs> yeah, out the cement. <laughs> we'll dig it out. Yeah, I'll bring over a lobster trap. and uh, <laughs> <laughs> But, like, yeah, no, I've just brought him a little lobster trap, and that'll help you get <laughs> up on lobster. the wall. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. This is getting silly.
2: All, All right. right. Well, Phil, I think you have the uh first obstacle of uh Toughest Nail season three, a jailbreak challenge, which oh, involves yeah, uh slide a bolt cutter into the cell. Uh maybe you want to like drop a slime eel so the guards can't follow you yes. out.
5: What's a little slip on Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That that's a that's a great deterrent.
2: You um, saw how slippery it was with those eels, Mike.
3: Uh, that's yeah. true yeah that, especially when they get panicked they'll just like completely fill up the whole cell with it
5: mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. no i like it listen last words of advice just stay out of jail until at least we get through season three okay okay all right you got fair it deal. phil fair deal yeah. phil thank you so much thank you all right phil. we'll talk soon all right take yeah. care have a good one phil all right all right Bye.
2: all right there you go mike wow there you
3: go phil kogan <laughs> didn't think um, we we're gonna get the
2: jail advice
3: yeah, and also the, the prerequisite that we have to do the Brutal Truth Test before we cover season three now. I never mm-hmm. have experienced like a checklist of things I need to do now, yeah. but I'm, I'm, I'm up for the challenge. I'm going
2: to go work on it right after we get done with this podcast.
3: Yeah, I'm going to be taking all the penalties.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, uh, wow. So we, we,
3: we, yeah. So we were in the middle of a uh, where are they now, if we want to finish Oh, yeah,
2: let's, see, let's get through the couple of uh, last uh, where are they now. Uh, so yeah. uh, where, who did we get up to?
3: So we, we finished with Zeus. So Tara, remember Tara? Uh, yes. From Thumbs okay. She got a job as a towing mate on a vessel in Alaska, mm-hmm. and she's trained to become an officer. Okay. So This could be like uh, Captain Tara.
2: Captain Tara. Good.
3: Has a good ring to it. Uh, Angel, really interesting with Angel. Yeah. First off, uh, Angel gets some gym footage going on, and oh my god, this dude is ripped was he
2: that uh, that ripped on the show i mean i guess we never saw without a shirt on yeah
3: it looks like he's about to be in a freaking marvel movie i guess
2: so angel i guess <laughs> is Thread just iron like
3: beams on his abs
2: his life is cardio i guess uh that uh, uh but i guess so like uh angel uh you know, it looks like uh, maybe did, did he get uh, too skinny? Because I'm wondering if Angel might need to take his own ad- advice and maybe they need to uh, to to feed Angel.
3: <laughs> yeah. he, he, I need more food. I'm hungry.
2: Yes, yeah, too got too skinny.
3: Please. I need protein, please. <laughs> uh, I also did see, by the way, speaking of following contestants on Instagram that I believe Angel said that. The final team challenge, the difficulty was not only in his back, but apparently he like blew out one of his knees. who did? But angel did.
2: Oh my God.
3: yeah, so like he'd shown like X-rays, I think of, of like his knee cartilage before that, so like he was he was really hurting by the time that final challenge came around. But seems like he is he's is back up and about in triangle fashion, but he's also giving back. he's using those abs for good, rob.' He is, uh, he's helping out troubled youth. Uh, as a mentor and a fitness coach, which is really cool.
2: Okay, good job, Angel.
3: And he got to see his son. I thought that was a really cute picture. Uh, Meryl adopted her foster daughter and is now writing an autobiography. I can't wait to read it. Yeah, Dragon Lady's memoirs. I'm very mm-hmm. excited about it, actually. Because I think Meryl, I mean, she walked in there. I talked about this before. as like a living legend concerning what she's done in her field. And so I think, like, her story is what I'd really like to know. Mm-hmm. Scott has branded himself with "Be Better," as mm-hmm. we've experienced. I do highly encourage people to follow Scott on TikTok if you want to see what he's up to, because he's got he does he does a lot of really great stuff. On yeah,
2: there. Uh, that uh, we heard his catchphrase, but I'm wondering maybe now that he's the champion, he might need to update his catchphrase to "Be
3: Best." Yeah, or at least be the best, the toughest nails. It doesn't have the, the the right ring to it. But may, I feel like Scott is always striving to consistently improve himself. Right, even though he is the best, he's like, I want to be place number zero. So constantly being better. He's
2: going to improve. Or maybe he needs to win the All Stars. To that's the only way to be better. Go. Now.
3: Winners at war. Mm-hmm. Or I guess what would it be like a uh, winners at washer. <laughs> <laughs> I, I,
2: I'm not sure. Uh, we're going back. Maybe, to maybe they could go to some sort of like army base. Uh, they have winners at war.
3: Oh, I like that. Sort of like uh, basic training sales. and yeah, stuff like that. Training. Yeah. Maybe it's like half winners and like half newbies. And so they do like basic training. Yeah. Where-
2: and maybe Murph because he's a Marine. He sort of like there has like a, a little bit of an advantage. Maybe they have to yeah, like. Or,
3: or could Murph just be like an auxiliary role? We talked about this with, with Roofer Lee last week. Could Murph be like the drill sergeant role, right? Where he just shows up like all right, maggots. get on up, <laughs> Maggots. <laughs> Right. I'm sorry, that's how drill sergeants talk to the privates. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've seen two the office, an officer and a gentleman too many times. Yeah, I think Roofer uh, Lee
2: might be the pick for the uh drill sergeant of like, all
3: right, everybody. Could then we had like a good cop and a bad cop with Murph and Roofer Lee. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh so we've got Sarah breaking uh, personal gains at the gym. She was doing some pretty like cool deadlifting, it looks like.
2: hmm Yeah. I didn't know that she was like a power lifter.
3: Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Again, uh, you're so talking about that that power-to-weight ratio. It seemed like she really had that in spades. Uh, Swifty was honored by his union, which is cool. I don't know if it's specifically for his work on Tough as Nails. <laughs> yes. just like, thank you, Swifty, for being awesome. The man
2: of steel, yeah.
3: Exactly. Uh, Knuckles is expecting a baby in yep. the fall. I really like that reveal. I thought that, w- that was very sweet.
2: Baby Knuckles. Because I think the part of her story was that, like, oh, she worked. Uh, she was uh, still doing, like, uh, cement work uh, while mm. she was nine months pregnant.
3: Yeah, exactly. So, like, I mean, hopefully she'll be granted a little bit more leave before baby number two. But congratulations belatedly, mm-hmm. to Knuckles and Mr. Knuckles and the family. Mm-hmm. And finally, Freight Train, as Phil mentioned, back to work in shorts. We saw that through, like, someone recorded it on their iphone which is interesting to me
2: yeah maybe it was like oh my god freight train from tough as nails is here
3: yeah I, well i do wonder like as does this company you know how sometimes delivery uh apps are like oh so and so is on your way if they saw like oh patrick freight train is on your way like oh my god he's coming to my house <laughs> yeah with my package
2: yeah i don't get updates on who the driver is going to be on my uh packages
3: I think they need to do that. I think we need to get to know the people behind the, the uniform. You know, I think Toughest Nails has taught us that. Uh, bold choice for freight train to wear shorts in the middle of the winter. Uh, I mm-hmm. went to high school with those types of kids, Rob. I'm sure you did, of like someone who would always wear shorts no matter what time of year it was.
2: Yeah, I don't recall that, but um, that would not be me.
3: Yeah, I definitely remember in middle school there were a couple of kids who would like get busted by the principal, forced to go home and actually like change into pants because they were trying to wear shorts in the middle of January and like they couldn't have that on their hands.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, kudos to Freight Train. Uh, maybe that's where he sort of like started, like, "Hey, I want a job where I can wear shorts year round." So <laughs> like, uh, like, well, okay, uh, I guess uh, law school's out. Uh, uh, but oh, like, i like, all right, books. <laughs> oh, what about this uh, UPS driver?
3: Okay. Yeah. Well then we'll say sorry, uh freight train, there was also an opportunity to become a podcaster as well, if that was the, if that was the wardrobe mandate.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Mike, we've done it. Season yeah? two, tough as nails, in the books.
3: It was, it was a pretty climactic season. I will admit the first four episodes were strange. I think mm-hmm. Phil would admit that, right, with everything between Terra... Got and off to Mike a weird Tara start. Stuff, ...and then, then uh, Freight Train, you know, leaving as well. But it did seem like, you know, it, it was a very likable cast. I continue to say that I think that the cast is the biggest strength of this show, I love getting to see people in careers that we usually don't see on reality TV. Personalities we don't really see on reality TV. It, it's just a really great way to highlight these things, and it makes me so happy in so many ways that the show keeps coming back. Because I do think, while other competition reality shows maybe other either intentionally or unintentionally sort of highlight like the morasses and uh, you know pitfalls that our society can have when we're pitted against each other. Tough as Nails really does embody, like, the goodness and the kindness that can exist in the day-to-day activities that we have. Mm -hmm. And so I'm really excited for Phil and for the audience's sake as well that we're going to have two seasons and hopefully more after that to, to keep on keeping on.
2: Okay. All right. Uh, well said, Mike. Uh, and Congratulations again to everybody behind the scenes at uh, Tough as Nails. Some h- uh, hardworking people uh, who uh, make a show about the hardworking people uh, that keep this country running. All right. Mike, what's next for you?
3: Oh, boy. A lot of next stuff for me. I'll, I'll, like we did last week, I'll, I'll go to Jess first, uh, since this is sort of like our final plugs for Tough as Nails, because Jess still plugging away toughest nails season two may be dead but jess is talking about the undead over on post show recaps uh she's covering now fear the walking dead i think it's the second half of season six so it is her it is Chappelle. i know they had josh wiggler on last week and apparently it produced a moment that jess said is like comparable to when phil asked us in the very first episode of We're survivor fans in terms of like all-time podcasting moments so whoa be sure to check that out i do hear even if you're not a fan of the walking dead They've watched it, so you don't have to. So be sure to check that out. Uh, In my own realm, when it comes to post-show recaps, of course, Lost Down the Hatch with Josh Wiggler. We are finishing up Season 4, which is certainly a wang-dang-doodle. The Bloom Files, which is an X-File podcast I do with my wife, Angela Bloom. We are nearing the end of Season 3, which has truly been off the wall uh, and the roof. So that has been a great time. And then The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, is flying into the last couple of episodes, it has been an absolutely banana show Mm -hmm. so far. And so I cannot even imagine where we're going in these last two episodes, but I do that with Kevin Mahadeo and Latanya Starks. And then over on the reality TV side of things, if anybody missed it for some reason, you want to hear Rob and I talk more reality TV for three plus hours. We talked about Survivor Guatemala last week uh of course shannon gus and i are talking survivor south africa i just am going to be releasing a deep dive with two contestants that were a lot of fun but we're we're looking on the precipice a month and a half away rob from survivor south africa season eight premiering uh, the first new televised survivor season in over a year mm-hmm. it is happening and shannon gus and i will be there to do some preseason interviews whenever the cast may drop so that's a lot of fun and then from a writing perspective i'm doing exit press for top chef and The Circle over on Parade.com. The Circle in particular, I spoke with the contestant or contestants that were eliminated in the first four episodes of this show. I highly recommend people check out The Circle. I think this season in particular is like Super cutthroat, but super fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you're looking for like another reality TV show to hop onto now that Tough as Nails is gone, it is not similar to Tough as Nails whatsoever. <laughs> but it's a really fun time, and I'm doing exit press with all the contestants as they get eliminated from the Circle at Parade. com.
2: Yeah, uh, I actually talked about the uh, Circle season two premiere with Taryn Armstrong uh, this week. That's up on Rob's website.com. Uh, that Taryn is going to have a uh, podcast coverage of episodes two and three, and then we'll all be together live for our first weekly roundtable. Talking about the circle coming up uh, this Saturday. Last night I uh, talked about Survivor Gabon. I know one of Mike's favorite seasons. Uh, we talked about that uh, with Maggie Morgan and Phil Thompson. Uh, just about four hours there on uh, Survivor Gabon. Up currently on uh dot uh, com. Plus everything going on with uh, Big Brother canada as well we'll also have some uh twish ultimate trivia coming your way as well on Thursday, on a uh, jam-packed week here on uh, Rob's podcast. If you want to get even more involved with everything we have going on in the uh, Rob Has a Podcast community, making fine reality TV podcasts for you, uh, head on over to Rob's dot com slash patron to get access to our patron podcast feed, where we have uh, extra shows for you to listen to every week, including our weekly Survivor feedback show, weekly patron activities, and more. At robhaswebsite. dot com slash patron. Thank you so much for listening to our Tough as nails coverage. All season long. Uh, Thanks again to Phil for uh, spending so much time with us this season. And uh, take care, everybody. Have a good one. Bye.